non sequitur. Your facts are uncoordinated. Warning. The following live stream is intended for an uncommon audience. Those suffering from religious ileotitis, idiotic use of the word scientism, or geoplanetary flatardation are advised not to watch any further, as this could result in symptoms including feeling triggered, loss of wokeness, or the need to comment in all caps. However, if you think bold ideas are righteous, unique perspectives are gospel, and strong opinions are sacred, then we say hallelujah. This is non sequitur. Never follow. And now, here are your hosts, Kyle Curtis and Steve McRae. Awesome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Non Sequitur. I'm Kyle Curtis. That guy, uh, whichever direction that he is today, is Steve. What's up, Steve? I'm over here, I think, today. I, I, I think. Cool. We got new software, so I can't see uh, where anything's placed anymore. I'm going blind, so that ought to work out well. But I'm so excited about what we have going on um, tonight. We, at the start of the day, I got some unfortunate news that the gentleman originally going to be joining us couldn't make it. And so we're scrambling around all day and um, worried if we're going to have to cancel. And then Steve found Albany. And I think that this is going to work out even better than we originally planned, because this is going to be unlike any of the debates that you've probably seen with this topic before. So I'm really excited to have both of these lovely ladies with us today. Albany, first we'll say hey to you. How are you? Wonderful. I'm really, really grateful to be here. I'm glad I was tagged and this worked out as well as it did. Yeah, me too. And uh, everybody remembers Brittany. She stole our hearts in the Sargon debate and she is back in her full 4th of July uh, attire. Brittany, yes. welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little thrown off, Brittany, to be honest with you, because we had to talk about camping prior to coming into this. And so my head is... Uh, not where it but should be. I like to seduce random people into the forest with me. So if you're ever interested, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Let's do it. Group camping. We'll talk all about this good stuff. We'll we'll bring up good conversation around a campfire. I love it. This is gonna be fun, guys. So um, I'll bring my guitar. Yes. Uh, so welcome, uh, welcome to you all watching. Uh, thank you to everybody that supports the show. In just probably five and a half months, we are about to hit 11,000. So that's huge. And it's all because you guys watch and share and we really appreciate it. And so now that's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna throw it over to Steve to introduce the topic a little bit more in depth and then we'll hear from our two participants tonight. Yeah, and then let me kind of get started um, the, uh, based on what you said, we did have a cancellation. So I was trying to find somebody that was a pro-lifer that I could you know, match up with Brittany. I've, I, we, obviously we've had some experience with Brittany. She's, or, intelligent, articulate, and knows the topics. And so I wanted to find somebody that was competent enough to come in and, and talk about their position for pro-life. And somebody actually had tagged me to, to Albany here on Facebook. And the first comment she basically said was in regards to this, is she wants to find common grounds. And I said, that's how I want to have a discussion. So they're going to be talking tonight basically about the abortion debate. But I think from the perspective of what each side can do to come at it 
and build a bridge and, and see what they have in commonality and, and what they can change rather than the same old, same old that we hear all the time. Because we all have heard these discussions, debates. We've been there, done that. I think that, that this is an opportunity for a pro-lifer and a pro-choice person to really come together and give us something different for a change and, and meeting in the minds. And so I'm really looking forward to this. So if you guys want to introduce yourself first, and then we're, we're just going to dive right, right into it, because Kyle and I, we're going to just step right out of this, and you guys are going to have free free reign. We're only going to step in if, obviously, you just talk past each other or if something needs clarification. But other than that, it's going to be your guys' show. So, uh, Audi, you're new to the channel, so why don't you introduce yourself first and tell us about yourself, and then we'll jump right over to Britain here. So I'm Albany. I am the pro-lifer. Uh, some of you might remember me as that lovely bitch. I used to have an atheist channel on YouTube. That was uh, you! That was me. Oh, no, no, I don't remember. <laughs> um, and I am an atheist. I don't take this from a religious perspective. I was actually pro-choice when I was religious. Um, I, I have been through all the motions. I have been pro-choice. I've had an abortion. I've birthed four children. I've been the angry pro-life or angry pro-choicer and calm on both sides. And I have come to the position of common ground because I don't see us making abortion illegal. And I don't think, I don't really think that's going to help anything if we made abortion illegal. Women are still going to get them. Women are going to still have unfortunate and terrible situations they're coming from. And you're still gonna have women that may have no terrible situations, but they just don't wanna be pregnant. And that's completely valid. And so I'm really excited just to be here and get to know Brittany more, hear her positions and you know, shit talk both sides, talk about what we love about both sides, just have fun because that's what this should be about, so. Awesome, and by the way, I do want to thank you again. It was, this was short notice and it, it takes a lot for somebody to come in with short notice and say, yeah, you know what? I'll have a discussion on that. So props to you on that. So Brittany, by the way, welcome back. Thank you, that's and so Albany, awesome. that's, yeah, oh, thank you. Um, I'm so excited, Albany, to talk to you. Just hearing you right now make that introduction was so beautiful because I feel very similarly to you. I was raised Catholic and I was pro-life for many, many years. I did protesting for pro-life activism. I did the March on Washington. I did the March on for life on um, in Sacramento in California. Like I've done these things. These are part of my narrative growing up. They were part of my strong belief systems. I honestly, the biggest fight I ever got into with anyone was over their right, their wanting to be pro-choice and my wanting to be pro-life. And so as I got older, I became more pro-choice when I started becoming not only sexually active, but, but when I realized that, yes, women will end up doing a back alley unsafe abortions, and I would like less women to die, but also I'd like less abortions in the world. So I actually think you and I would like to aim for less abortions in the world. Is that, would, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Less abortions, less prevent the pregnancy as a whole, whatever needs to be done. And Perfect. That, can only, that can only happen when we listen to each other. Yes. So this is, this is already great. So may I ask you really fast, just to make sure we're on the same page in certain things. So um, do we agree that it's, um, I, I always say a human in development, but would you prefer that I use different language? Is it okay to say unborn fetus or would you prefer I say unborn you, baby? I, I do not use terms baby ever. I much okay. prefer the medical terminology from zygote to fetus. Okay. Um, I don't call it a person because that's philosophical and legal. So okay. I don't say murder, like you're good. Just keep it straight science. Cool. Um, and then do we both agree that according to the science that the pain the fetus feels is about at 18 to 20 weeks? Accurate. Okay, cool. So we can start off on those pages. So in, in conclusion, the way to sum up my literal whole belief system on abortion, it's pretty simple. It's I believe it is the results 
of stagnation through human socialization. So I think when humans get to violent points of interaction, be it at war, bar fights after a drunk night, or having to terminate their pregnancies, it's because of a lack of option, a lack of options before that opportunity came to present itself. And I think that if we educate and move society forward and not allow it to remain stagnant, we will have over time less abortions, less uh, traumatic you know, medical procedures that women and men have to experience because I do believe in the right of a man to be a participant in the raising of a child once it's born. Uh, prior to that, I leave it up to the woman or person pregnant. And then, um, Along those lines, though, of responsibility, I do think that once that baby is born, either participant can decide if they want to dissolve their responsibility to that child by giving it up for adoption or handing it over to somebody who could care for it. But I, I do think that those are a lot of the controversial issues that are faced, what, that people face when discussing this issue. So I wonder, did you have anything to add to that before we jump into sort of what we can do solution-wise? I say let's just jump into it because everything you said is so on point and there's 20 things that we could take from that to be like, you know, adoption. Adoption right. is a great option if that works for someone, but the system is absolutely screwed. You know, totally. and it's just absolutely. all those things. So, you know, let's just jump into it. Great. Okay. So, um, in your opinion, what do you think, where's the best place to start? For me, it's education, like hundred percent comprehensive sex education. Nope, I completely agree. Um, we were talking before we started. I think it was before you entered the room. Um, for myself personally, I much prefer using statistics from CDC, um, Planned Parenthood, and Gutmacher. To me, there's there's no real way to go, especially if I'm going to have dialogue with pro-choicers. I would much rather use sources from places they're comfortable with, and I have no problem using them. Um, so when it comes to education, <laughs> Planned Parenthood reports that 50 to 51% of their women that come in to have an abortion annually at their clinics were on some sort of contraception. And that is a huge problem. When girls and teenagers don't realize you have to take the pill every time at the same day. And if you don't, you have to, you can start over, but you should wait about a week to have sex, to have safe sex for it to you know, go through your cycle again. You know, you don't use two condoms. And you know, there are all these risk factors and sex education is great. I am not a fan of abstinence education. Yeah, it should obviously be an option because you're, you're not gonna get pregnant that way, but it's not reality and we need to base our everything in reality. Great, so um, I don't know about you, but I am an advocate for national family planning as well as a form of contraception. If you understand your body cycle correctly, I personally have an irregular cycle. So I have chosen the route of an IUD, the Marina specifically. I have found that that works best for my body. I've tried a couple of IUDs. I've never been on the pill, so I can't speak to its experience, but I knew for myself, I couldn't take the pill because I will forget that shit. Like I will, I work 90 hours a week, like minimum, like there's no way I'm gonna remember to take a fucking pill. Like I am so busy. So I went with the safest, most reliable, efficient route. And that was an IUD for myself. Now, because I'm a big advocate for uh, birth control, understanding there are consequences to putting extra hormones into your body and understanding that there could be consequences. I wondered, would you be um, pro, I guess, advocating for young people, including teenagers to have the option of doing IUDs? Do you think that should be a part of sex uh, comprehension, uh, you know, sex education? I think if a teenager, so first of all, everything really comes back to the home life and we're not okay. going to get very far if parents don't get off their ass and start talking to their teenagers. Don't have kids if you're not comfortable talking about sex because that's how your kids got here in the first place. Like you need <laughs> to be able, you have to be able to talk about this. And yes. obviously in an ideal world, 
you know, people would wait till marriage or, you know, whatever some utopian idea there is, but that's great, you know, less STDs, less unwanted pregnancies, whatever. But teenager has, teenagers are having sex. And yeah. yes, there are absolutely risks. Again, going back to the CDC, you can see which birth controls will up the risk of certain cancers, which ones may decrease certain cancers. Um, at the end of the day, I really think it needs to be, especially with birth control, it, it should be up to the individual. I'm very much about individual rights. And I know there's going to be people like, well, then why are you pro-choice? And we can get to that later. But we're always going to do something that's not good for us. I'm a smoker. I will not touch hormonal birth control because I don't like the idea of something unnatural in my body. And I laugh at that every time because I suck on cancer sticks a pack a day. And, you know, it, there, it's just, it really comes down to choices. You know, ideally, I don't want a 13 or 14 year old going on the IUD, but if she's not using condoms every time, if she's going to stay sexually active, there's just so many what ifs. True. Now, uh, so my work on the internet is primarily geared towards young adults or anyone who's able to really sit down long enough to watch one of my long videos. Okay. And mostly my demographics are older, but I do have a few um, teenagers and younger people that watch me. And I know one of the things, one of the feedback I get from them is one, thank you for not shaming me for my questions. Two, thank you for being patient with my inquiries into things that could be uncomfortable for you. Cause hearing a 12 year old tell me the weird things they want to do in bed is very uncomfortable, but oh my goodness, I'm here to hear your stories and help you through it. And then three, when I give advice to youth, what I usually say is the same thing I told myself at 15 girl, you ain't ready. Like no matter how you want to play it, you ain't ready for any of the consequences that come with drugs or sex. I waited until I was 22 to have sex when I could afford birth control and have it. And honestly, best experience of my life because I felt like I was a hundred hundred percent in control of my body, my agency. Nobody could shame me into what I was doing and nobody could pressure me into what I was doing. And then I had enough control to be like, okay, well, you just had unprotected sex, go by the morning after pill. And I had the money to do it. And so these were all the tools that I had to become a full functioning human. And those are the tools that I give to people in my audience. And I wondered though, <laughs> what can we do to bridge the gap between us and parents? Because obviously it's going to have to start with the parents at this point, right? Absolutely. And I love like your situation is the utmost ideal to me because you're making it your, everything from your prefrontal cortex being closed and being able to really be able to process more logic and facts and reason about what you're putting into your body and what you're doing you know, that is ideal. Um, but when it comes to parents, it's such a crappy situation to me because a lot of it stems from religion and it's unfortunate. And I advocate religious freedom up until the point it physically or negatively harms another human. Um, but how do you get such a mass group of people to understand telling hormonal teenagers that have no idea what right and wrong is this is going you know what do we do when people say don't do something that's the first thing you're gonna do i was that well, teenager that did everything totally yeah i mean one of my one of my one of the things i always tell kids is i don't tell them what to do i tell them why do you want to do that and let's talk about the thought process i had a a girl reach out to me recently who said i want to kill myself and i was like cool. Great. Awesome. Let's talk about why you want to kill yourself. And like that, because it's not my job to tell her she can't kill herself. It's my job to, to make sure that she's really considered every avenue before making this decision. And that's exactly how I feel about any other decision, especially when it comes to your body or creating another human life. Like it is a great honor to create another human life, like a genuinely huge responsibility and honor. And I think in order to have that honor, 
um, in a, the most um, positive way, it is to be in control of the situation. And so what I always tell, especially women, since it has to do with women's bodies, is to say, listen, if you want to be strong, independent women, you need to make decisions from the moment you understand what that means until forever that protects you and your future offspring, essentially. So for me, when I explain it to the religious people, what I say is, listen, I know your God says this, but since a lot of the world isn't a part of your religion, one of the best fairest compromises, though I think that word is sort of like ill-used, I could probably find a better one, is to come to this consensus, well, let's use birth control one that doesn't cause abortions, because there are plenty that don't. So let's start there. If that's really your issue, then let maybe let's start there. Or natural family planning. Let's push that in schools, but understand actually how it works scientifically. Because I, I, I did not take sex ed in school. My school, I think my mom signed me out of it for that year, but um, which is kind of um, was a mistake on her end because I then I had to learn sex through porn and then through friends and so it's kind of like my education was skewed in that sense it's really just hilarious but uh, I think if we reach that compromise of starting off with like condoms right don't cause abortions we know that so let's start with that now I understand that coming from a Catholic background they'll talk about the barrier and the sanctity of sex and the honor and the joy it all is and I understand that like genuinely from the bottom of my heart I get that I understand I get it. Like, I, I promise you, I yeah. do. But what I'm asking is that we do find a place uh, through education where we could minimize abortion while acknowledging that not everyone is going to follow the God you believe in. And so there has to be state compromise, like governmental compromise. Um, and I think we agree on this. I almost wish you were religious because then we could really dive deeper into the religious concept of oh, it all. Honestly, I, I actually, so when my husband and I got together uh, eight years ago, I was. <laughs> A bleeding heart liberal. I was insanely pro-choice, like hardcore advocate, all these things. And he was, you know, diehard pro-life, crazy conservative, God-fearing, traditional Roman Catholic, like Latin mass to the T. Mm. And, you know, through him, I've really been able to understand the religious perspectives. And it's, re I've really appreciated it because I'm such good friends with his priests who actually married us and baptized all our kids. And, um, but I, I actually, I'm so unbelievably grateful you brought up NFP because that's what, what we use. Yeah. And you're right. It works great for people that have a regular cycle if you're able, whether it's mucus or temperature. And yes, we're going there today. Everyone can just deal with it. <laughs> but, but it's, I love that you said, you know, do both. You know, I, so I got, I got kicked out of my sex ed class because we had a 40 year old virgin teaching us, which is fine. She wanted to wait till marriage. I'm totally cool with that, but you don't have a 40 year old virgin who hates everything related to sex teaching teenagers. And I ended up asking her if uh, giving a rim job was acceptable because she like spent an hour asking if, or uh, saying that oral sex was terrible. So I totally yes, understand. It is, by the way. <laughs> it is a sin, don't do that. No, it is not a sin. It is, it is, considered, it is considered sodomy, it is a sin. The way I do it, it's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> then there's that we're pro sodomite here <laughs> so i think that's a lot of, a lot of the issue as well when i think of sex education i do think of those questions i think of some uncomfortable questions that young kids are asking if porn is their education that they're going to learn from fantasy and though fantasy is a positive exploration into self it is not a good tool for education and so i, I do think that we're on the same page there may i ask you why you identify specifically with a pro-life label because I personally have been struggling with this. I almost want to call myself a pro-choice pro-lifer <laughs> like, because I, I do feel like I, the idea is to minimize abortion. I don't want abortion any more than anyone else, but I understand sometimes it's necessary. So may I, if I may, 
No, absolutely. And if I, I'm going to start my answer real quick. I talk a lot. So just tell me to shut up at any point. Oh, me too. We're going to be fine. <laughs> <We're>, uh, <laughs> I should have gotten wine or something. For oh, we totally, uh, we totally should have done that. We have to do this again. I would love to do this again. Get some whiskey and some wine and just have a free for all. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm That's there. You have me at whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. So, <laughs> so for me, um, the starting point is that people need to realize that the people that are so massively extreme, you know, you have the pro-choice side that's like legalize all abortion up until birth, any reason, woman's body, to the holy shit, crazy six-year-old conservative men who are like, women deserve to die from back alley abortions if they're going to kill their babies. Like, yes, we have those people, but they mm -hmm. are the minority. And most people fall into a gray area. What abortion does is black and white. It has an end goal regardless if you agree or disagree, that's just what it is, it's a medical procedure. But most people have a comfort level. And you know, I have pro-lifers who work with me in the secular movement who are pro-life uh, with exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother, although I'd say most people have a life of the mother exception. Um, you know, they are proud of their rape and incest exceptions. <clears throat> I don't think they're less pro-life for that. Just like I know people who are pro-choice up until 12 to you know 15 weeks. And after that, they're like, I just don't support it. If they want to be labeled as pro-choice, I respect that. I hate when people use you know terms like you know, anti-choice or pro-abortion. I, I despise them. Um, and so for me, I consider myself pro-life because yes, ideally I don't want abortion. And, and, and again, I was saying this before we started in a utopian world, I would love it to be legal. And because of my want for to be illegal, it's just not my goal. And what I love so much about the pro-life movement, and if anyone's interested later on, I do have some groups. If people are interested to check them out um, in the pro-life movement that don't do things the stereotypical way. Um, I just had a huge group, they're called New Wave Feminist Pro-Life Group, and they all just went and marched for um, to keep families together and against you know all the bullshit stuff that's going on. And it's like, mm. there is so much more now to pro-life and pro-choice. Um, mm -hmm. And so for like me and this group and many others, yeah, ideally we want it to be illegal, but that's not our fight. It, it's not, we wanna change the culture. We wanna help women. We wanna help women who aren't even facing a crisis pregnancy. Do you have a child that's in need? You know, do you, do you yourself as a woman or a father need help? That is our goal because the only way you're gonna help someone down the road or with the abortion or anything is if they know that they have people there to love them and support them. Gosh, I mean, honestly, we could not be more on the same page, like uh, to be completely frank. Like, no, this is beautiful. This is exactly what I want to do. I want to mobilize these kinds of numbers together because I do think that it's so polarizing. I mean, I know so many people who will scream like murder, you know, and I'm sitting here and I'm telling you that the thought process of most people from my understanding when they're getting abortions is that it's a medical procedure and that for them, they're not thinking about being a murderer in the same way. It's a, it's a little bit of a disconnect, but it is, I mean, we understand that we're losing a part of ourselves, no matter how you want to play it. What I, so one of the suggestions that I, I, I want to bring up is, or one of the things I want to talk about, but I don't know if you're comfortable is, is in terms of like partner rights, male rights. And I wondered if we could maybe touch on that because I have a few solutions for that. And I wondered if you had any from that perspective. I'd love to hear your thoughts. That's always been such an area that I struggle with because obviously what is created, whatever you want to call it, it is 50-50. Um, but regardless of my personal position, 
it's still inside the woman's body. She's still the one that has to give up energy. She's still the one that has to do all these things. Um, and so that definitely is a really tough spot for me. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. On that. Yeah. So one of the things that I always put in, in, into my relationship is one, first and foremost, I am a BDSM educator and negotiation is the most important part of a BDSM, but it's also a tool. Yay. That I think vanilla should take into consideration as well. Vanilla being non-kink. I feel like I am. Oh, you are in the lifestyle. I, I was trained as a femdom uh, years back. Oh, okay. So right on. I worked yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page. So for me, if we can bring negotiation into relationships, that would help. So one of the things I did with all my male partners is I would say, listen, my body and my choice, but I would like to know any of your hard limits right now in relation to pregnancy. I want to know what you would ideally like me to do, regardless of my personal opinion. And I would like to know if we are on the same page. I know for me, my role was if we had a, if, if I got pregnant within the first six months of that relationship, I would almost guarantee you like abort that baby. Just because I know for me, I don't even decide if I like a person within six months. So I need a lot, a lot longer of a time to know if I want to raise a baby with somebody. Cause I consider that a huge undertaking. But one of the things that happened later into one of my relationships is that I told him, Hey, update to the abortion negotiation. I love you too much at this point. So if I get pregnant, I might end up needing to have that baby. Cause I don't think I could kill something we made. And that is a, that's a, that's a, that was a, but that's an intimacy based growth that changed what was inside of me, not literally, not scientifically, but emotionally. And that was the change. But I will tell you this, like if he was, if he said, I'm not ready to be a father and I need you to, if you, in the first 10 weeks, you know, or 18 weeks, I need you to do something about it. I would be like, honestly, probably. Cause we negotiated on this understanding that he wasn't ready to be a father. I wasn't ready to be a mother. And I think that it needs to be respected both ways, but this is a personal negotiation that happens in the intimacy of your home or in your, in your apartment. And it's not something that I think the law needs to cover, but it is something that I think humans need to have that conversation. They need to have that conversation. It is not something that can wait six months in. I just, I saw a pop culture movie and it was such trash and the couple gets married and then they talk about having babies. And I'm sitting here like, oh my God, <laughs> like, don't do that. Like, please have those conversations beforehand as to say the, like, the, if you don't want to have abortion, have that conversation beforehand. So you know, what's going to happen. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And I think that's a little bit of my issue. Now I will say though, traditionally, most pro-lifers that I know are religious and most of them don't have sex before marriage. So the ones that I talk to, the ones that I know that are pro-life, pro-life, because they're mostly Catholic. So I wondered if it was different for you and if you met Catholic men who gave you a different perspective on this, considering your husband's background. So, oh my God, I wish I was there with you. Like you are just perfect incarnate. Ever, like this is, I don't even care. It's just like, I know I'm good, <laughs> but I, it's just, so I was talking to a friend of mine real quick side note uh, before coming on here um he has a pro-life page it's called dank pro-life memes <laughs> yeah he he i love his page because he will make some hard memes against pro-lifers because we, we we're just we're meme buddies and i was like hey so i'm gonna do this and i should actually send him this link but he made a comment he was like wouldn't it be really nice to like run into a pro-choicer that was similar to us that's not this like, oh, all pro-lifers are assholes and you know you just want women to die. And they really do wanna find that common ground. And like, this is just, I am so overwhelmed with joy right now because you Maybe don't- Maybe there's a God. A lot. Right. Yes, and she brought us here today. <laughs> Girl power. Well said. Uh, yeah. 
but this is this is just awesome. And so uh, definitely statistically, the pro-life movement is mostly religious people. Um, it's just the way it is. They are the majority, let's be real. Um, so as for secularists, there are about six to eight million secular pro-lifers in the US. Um, and then you have all little nitty bitties in between. And what I love about my pro-life page is that I, I don't have a lot of rules. I'm very free speech. Uh, my primary rules, however, is that you need to be able to back up what you say with something other than God says it's wrong. I don't care what it is. I don't care, you know, yeah, it would have been nice if God would have said this, but if God said rape is wrong, don't just say, well, God said, how about you give me something to back that up? Um, and you no know, no post-abortive shaming, stuff like that. But what I love about the people that I've had the honor of interacting with is that they don't like to use their religion. And I think more people, especially the younger generations, I noticed the younger generations are really helping um, both sides of the movement to me. I have so many pro-choice friends that I don't know what to do with and I love them because they are younger. They're not set in that mindset of like, oh, the other side is evil and they suck. And it is the one benefit of social media and you can, you can see what people are doing with their lives. You can see if they're a jerk or if they really wanna have a, you know, a good communication like this. And yeah, I, I am really grateful that although many of them are religious and I don't know if they would still be pro-life if they weren't religious, but to me, it goes the same hand in hand with atheists, though. Um, I, I'm, an athe I'm an atheist. I'm an apatheist. I don't really care if there's a God or not. I'm going to live my life how I want. But I notice a lot of atheists and secularists, when they leave religion, they're very angry at first, which is fine. I get it. But a lot of them will take everything they believed in the religious regard and throw it out the window and decide they have to be the exact opposite. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really just about finding as a group that I work with in the pro-life community says, you have to find your tribe. And yeah. it's just people that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Forget yeah, yeah. So have I, have you come across uh, religious people that were willing to compromise on the contraceptive issue? Because I noticed that when I brought, bring it up to pro-lifers and, and I say, I will march with you. I will be obnoxiously pro-life. If you will just push legislation to encourage proper sex education and contraceptives, I've gotten nothing but backlash. Keep in mind, they're religious. Have you had any success with this? Yes, absolutely, actually. Um, one of my really, really good friends is Lutheran, and it's basically a little watered-down Catholic, uh, but still pretty close. And she took the Plan B pill, messaged me the next day because her dad told her that she was, like, the worst person alive. She was probably killing a baby right now, and I had to send her a link to be like, hey, this is where the FDA is with this stuff. This is why they can't print this, but here's the facts about Plan B. You're not going to kill a baby, I promise, 100%. And, you know, be, again, going by social media, it's so great now that we can spread this kind of information quicker. Um, but I do see a lot more pro-life people realizing that, okay, these aren't, um, what do they call them, abortifications? And, you know, so, I mean, obviously, I, 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 do, I do notice Catholics are, they're a bit harder to get through to, and there's sure. not that there's anything wrong with it, but they are, let's be honest, Catholics are like top, top. You don't change. You are Catholic. You are diehard, and that's that. But I do notice with you know, of course, younger generations, a lot of people are like, no. If we're gonna find that common ground, if we really don't want these unplanned pregnancies, people are still gonna have sex. So maybe we need to give a little more. 
it's actually kind of funny because um, as a former Catholic, I always joke, my sister likes the New Testament because Jesus is a hippie and I like the Old Testament because God gives rules and when people break them, he kills them and it makes sense to me. I'm like, ha structure. And so what I kind of do with modern Catholicism is I appreciate when they're diehard, like will not budge because a part of me is like, yeah, you think your God's real. That's awesome. Versus, oh, we can be lax on these rules because I want to be. That makes me question whether or not your faith is really as strong as you say it is. But I will say in order to modernize or live within modernized societies, religions do have to find compromise and living within their own bubbles in that sense. And I, I find that when I, cause I, I go to Planned Parenthood, not just, well, I've never had an abortion. So it's, it's not even for that reason, but I go for health and STI testing. And I always do that. Everyone gets STI tested. It's really good for you. And so I went and I go and do that. And I always see the pro-lifers outside my Planned Parenthoods with their rosaries and the dead baby pictures. And keep in mind, I was the girl at Catholic camp who got kicked out for bringing up gay marriage and showing people about dead aborted babies. I was like, hey, look, that's a baby. Like I was obnoxious. They did not want me to come back. Those nuns were not pleased. But listen, <laughs> I, I get it. Like I get the horror that we are experiencing in the world when we look at life and we question whether or not it's valuable. I, I struggle with this constantly. It's actually one of the reasons I can't really call myself a pro-lifer, I'm pretty sure, is because I believe war is, is right now necessary for defense. But I also understand that that is still, when I meet pro-lifers who are pro-life, they're anti-war, they're anti-violence, period. So there's like variations. Go ahead. Um, if just for this discussion, um, just because I want to make myself clear, yeah. when I talk about abortion or pro-life, pro-choice, I only talk about abortion. Okay, um, reproductive. One of, personally, for me, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I, I see this with, you know, again, both sides equally, people will say, well, you can't be pro-life. It's, you know, the no true thoughts and everything of you can't be this unless you follow all my other personal mm -hmm. beliefs. And I, I can't stand that, uh, personally. I, a lot of people, no one supports war. It's like when pro-lifers go after, you know, pro-choicers. No one necessarily supports abortion in a sense of, yes, you have to get one. You want it to be an option. And same for war. No one's like, well, of course you have some crazies, but for the most part, same people are like, no one wants war. But you can see the pros and cons of certain wars, not all, why we have them, what we're doing. And to me, I don't think anyone is less pro-life for okay. that, whether it's that or eating meats or anything else, just, just so you know where I'm at, that you don't think that I'm going to sit here and be like, well, that's not how this works. That's great, actually. So that really helps um, us focus on the fact that the individual exists and that labels only get us so far. And so using these labels are only so helpful. So if I say pro-choice, I don't want people to make assumptions about all of my decisions in regards to every political issue and vice versa for your pro-life title. I don't want to assume things of you because you've taken this title. Um, if I did that, this talk probably would have gone very different in the beginning. But instead, I'm glad we talked about common ground first because that is where I think most people should start off of versus where we're different. I am, um, in terms of moving forward, in terms of solutions, we can move through education and we can update and we can, in, do you think it should be, or it would help to make it mandatory that kids have comprehensive sex education? Or do you think religious rights trump having kids being able to get signed out of classrooms? Like, do you think that would help the, the movement minimize abortions? So, and this is where things get weird for me because I am very, I am as very traditional with my libertarianism without supporting the libertarian party. I pretty much hate all political parties. I do believe parents should be able to pretty much do what they want up until like anything else, physical negative harm. Okay. Um, 
So it's one of those things where while I wish more parents absolutely taught their kids about sex, had them in sex education, that sex education was better, I don't think they should be forced to. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Like just coming from a parent myself, they're yes. obviously, I mean, so I vaccinate. I am all about vaccines and I have people that don't don't think I should be a parent because I, I vaccinate and it's cruel and it's wrong and I'm not really pro-life because I vaccinate. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those like, these are my children, you don't get a say. And I don't really want to go out there and be like, well, but I'm not going to let you do this with your kids because I don't necessarily agree with you. Okay. So for me, this is a little bit of a struggle as well, because I do believe in a right, in a parent's right to pull their kids out of school. I mean, hell, my mom used to pull me out of school because I was just like, I'm not feeling it today, mom. And she'd be like, okay. And it was one of those things where parents, she made the best decision for her daughter in that moment because she saw that my mental health was failing and that it was better for me to stay home. And in the same way that it, a parent might look at their child and say, I'm not ready for you to have this conversation with a stranger. I would prefer them to then say, have it with me instead. But I will tell you my experiences, especially with, um, I grew up in a very large Catholic community and I was homeschooled until I was in uh, public school as a 15 year old. So my education was very limited until I reached that public school setting. And I had, I remember being I tell the story a lot, sorry, but I remember being 19 out of high school. I'm sitting with a bunch of adults at a Catholic gathering and a woman, mother of two comes up to me and goes, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah, totally. And she goes, where do girls pee out of? And I was like, I'm sorry, why not? And she goes, is it my vagina or is it my clit? And I'm like, wrong on both accounts. And we had this conversation and I went through like, a, you know, basic anatomy with her. And it was, it was so interesting. And I sat there in that moment and went, this woman is so pro-life, so anti-contraceptive, so this, this, this. And I'm sitting here like, does she understand, does she understand truly what she's advocating for? And so what I want to get to, a, I want to get to a point where American voters, American citizens hold opinions that they can genuinely back up no matter what that opinion is. And they have reason and rhyme other than God says so. Because if this woman didn't know her own body after having two children, what kind of sex education was she giving to her children? Do you know what I mean? And how do we go about tackling these things when these, these parents will never be back in school. They're not going to go, you know, I doubt they're going to college to get sex education. So where do they learn these things? How do we teach adults how to be parents? We, if we can't force it somehow. So yeah. the question is grassroots campaigns or. No, I, I agree. It's, I can't stand it. it. And it really is. It's one of those positions of you know what you want, you know what might be more, better, more right, you know, you, but you know you don't want to overstep certain bounds because then you, you'd probably want to be consistent and try to make it a whole platform and it, it gets sure. messy. It does. That's why if, if nothing else, it makes me really grateful for stuff like this because, you know, unless you're in a really extreme crazy um, home, chances are you have kids on YouTube, you have kids looking at stuff like this and, you know, you just hope and pray that they find their way to things like this and they see what real dialogue is like they see they get to hear more about the facts of their bodies and you know I can't wait to check out your channel after this because from the sounds of it it is it is just absolutely fantastic to have more things like people like yourself looking at younger generations and I'm so unbelievably grateful that people like you are out Thank there you. doing that. Oh that's so sweet. So this is okay so that last statement is a very nice hope but it doesn't because it doesn't offer a concrete solution, I think that's where a lot of people are at, right? A lot of us are just hoping for the best or praying for the best or thinking for the best, but we don't have solutions. And so what I am offering 
is not only comprehensive sex education throughout high school, but you have to have a legit reason why your child isn't coming to school for that class. And if they miss that class, then they need to prove that they understand some basic anatomy about their bodies. Like I, as a BDSMer, you have to go to classes. You need to learn how to hit people, where to hit people, how they bruise. You can't just partake in it. So if they, so if that's the rule, the standard I set for myself in BDSM, it's the same standard I sent. I, I put, especially for high schoolers, not really middle schoolers or elementary kids, but high schoolers, if you were in high school, getting ready to go to college, getting ready to flirt with professors, you know how kids do. I'm just saying you should know the options you have in relation to your body. And in order to teach children that, you got to start treating them like future adults, literally around the corner. So there I, cannot be any, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not mean to cut you off. It's, I have a small delay, so I can't tell where there's a pause. You're totally um, fine. But I, I actually never thought about that. And it seems, if nothing else, that's a great start form is uh, when you were saying, if parents are going to take their child out of that class, you need to at least still do some sort of homework on it and be able to, from everything from where does a female urinate out of? It seems like such a weird question, but yeah, how many girls don't know that? Or, oh, yeah. you know, how, how can you track a cycle? How can you, what are the symptoms for certain things? Like, I love that. Yes. Yes. Even, okay. So when I was younger, I remember I came to my mother and I said, Hey mom, I want a tampon. And she said to me, don't you want the first person or first object inside of you to be your husband's penis? And I said to my mom, Hey, that makes a lot of sense. If I wasn't also bisexual and already folded around with girls, but <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about tampons just being a tool to help me through my cycle. And so I had to have that conversation. My mom wouldn't even take me to a gynecologist because she wanted the first person to be there, a man. So my husband, so like some, now she's changed. It's been about 15 years, but she's, she's gotten a little bit better, but you can understand that, that people who are this um, traditional might have a little bit of a, an issue with taking their kids to get this education. So in a, in a way, I'm not sure that we can move forward as a society into the next blip of, you know, we've gotten smarter, yay, on the history map without bringing all of these people with us some way, even if we have to not, I don't like the word force the education, but in, in allow them a chance to digest the education in a way that's comfortable for them. I want it to be easy for you. If you're uncomfortable with certain words, if you're uncomfortable even with the scientific words, let's, let's use whatever language I need to, to get it across to you so you can then tell your children and protect them. This is what it's about. It's about protecting babies and protecting children and youth from making mistakes that they can obviously easily avoid if they're not given fear and shame as tactics to keep them in their place. I hear a baby. Hi. Hi there. She snuck out of her room. Oh, Welcome to the show. Say hi. Hi. Oh. What's <laughs> your name? My name is Eden. What a lovely name. How old are you? I got six. Six? Wow. That's a great age. That's a great age. Enjoy it. I wish I could go back to six. <laughs> okay, do me a favor. Yeah. You can stay up and watch a movie. That's fine. Will you uh, go and lock the door? Hope you're on seats. That's Thanks, adorable. Baby. Okay. Awesome. I love it. I, I love that your child came in during a talk about abortion. <laughs> I love that. I love that that was such a real example of a person like, well, bringing life into the world. And I think that's really beautiful. She's actually the reason I became pro-life. So. Is her name, you said Eden? Eden, yes. Very pretty, very beautiful. Do you feel like that story could m matter to this conversation? Um, 
if it if it helps, um, you know, I have my I posted my abortion testimony six years. Oh gosh, she just let her brother out and they're sword fighting. Excellent. Something. Um, I came out with my abortion testimony on YouTube like six years ago, like 35 minutes long. I was not put together. It was the first time I ever talked about it. Um, but I'll give like a really quick 30 second synopsis. So basically when I was 16, I had a coerced abortion. I told my dad I did not want the abortion. He said I would be homeless if I did not have it. I asked him if I could give the baby up for adoption. He said that was not an option either. Um, so, you know, I was 16. I had no idea. I, I had no idea that there were other options, housing, you know, there are a couple people that will take in teenagers with a crisis of pregnancy, all these different things. Um, I was too afraid to tell my mom because my mom and I had a terrible relationship. And basically I scheduled my appointment uh, with Planned Parenthood. Uh, when I went there, the woman would not show me my ultrasound. I was eight to nine weeks along. She said I wouldn't be able to see anything. So children, whatever. We're real in this house. We talk about everything. I love it. I think it's great. And uh, so I took her at her word that I wouldn't be able to see anything. I went I to, mom. oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Come on in. Hey, Eden. Welcome back. Here. Mom. Okay. You got to be quiet, okay? Just let me talk for just one second. I'm going to put this in your ears so you can hear it. Uh -huh. Okay, we're going to do this. Welcome back, Hi. Eden. Hi. And um, so I went, um, you know, and, and the, whole, the whole testimony is something for another time. But I went and had the procedure and I got pregnant with her when I was 19 with my husband now. That is Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Eden. Hi, C. And Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. You're outmatched. You're, you've already lost now, Brittany. You're done. Yeah. You're over. You have to be you have to be the cutest. You're, yeah. you're definitely the cutest thing that has ever been on this show. Hey. I promise you that. Hello. Hello. Hello, Audrey Hepburn. Can you, uh, Aiden, can you tell us something about you? What is something you like? What is your favorite thing ever? Um, my favorite dinosaurs. I was going to, oh, I was so going to say that. I was going to be like, if, he, if she says dinosaur, I'm going to be like, oh. Hey, hello? She dinosaur. I need to talk. Why do you have a song? How does she oh, like dinosaurs? What, what got her into dinosaurs? I, I can ask. It's a microphone, sweetie. <laughs> so why why do you like dinosaurs? So I've got triceratops. Pterosaurus and allosaurus. Oh, you got an allosaurus? Like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, you're, and, you're uh, done. You're done. We, we're we're already moving on other things now. <laughs> I can see. That is so it. awesome. So we go to the museum every couple months, even if it's the same Are stuff. You, we just love. Yes, we will go to the Good. museum. Again. I've got my ticket. And. The History and Science Museum in Denver is absolutely huge. Their um, paleontology section is massive. And the moment she went there, you know, you walk in and they have all these TVs up and down the- Oh, I got a tear, I got a tear in my eye. This is- <laughs> Why is that? Um, oh, he's not really crying, baby. It's okay. No, I'm in a good he, way. It's he's, he's my happy. gosh. I have, I have never he's seen levels of cuteness like this in my life like it's pinging off the charts right now oh and she she can go full marvel and dc Why on you too purple? you want to start talking comic books oh my god okay this superman one. or batman you what? like superman or batman more uh, that's my girl she wins game over yeah why are we even here still obviously it's not the eden we're show done. we're good my husband i love it <laughs> <laughs> can i play the game with the animals uh is rj awake no no 
Oh, I thought you guys were playing. Yeah, sleep. yeah, go play a video game. That's cool. Bye, Eden. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. All right. Uh, don't let the dogs outside, okay? Keep them in. Don't let the dogs out. That's so sweet. <laughs> you did, Thank you. you did really so well sweet. with that. That was so sweet. That was really nice to, to honestly, just again, on this debate being the subject that it is. I mean, that's, I understand why that conversation is so hard, right? Who, who doesn't want a world with, without Edens? And, and my, and when my daughter was that age, it was more like, daddy, get away from me. I'm playing with my friends. <laughs> that's, that's a tough, um, that's a tough point though, um, Brittany, because I mean, that does make you, you know, that is, that's tough. I, I don't, I don't even know how to put that into words really, because we're talking about the very process by which in another world, maybe, or another universe, Eden might not be here. So yeah, when you look at it in that kind of perspective, that is really an emotional one. Yeah, very. So, it's one where I only see value to Eden because I see Eden. Right. Eden well, had no value before she was Eden. And I love the way you said that because when I got pregnant again at 19, you know, again, I was very, very pro-choice. Um, I went, you know, to my doctors and the normal eight-week appointments. And to me, I remember going to the hospital thinking this was really pointless because I remember right before my abortion, the woman said I wouldn't be able to see anything. And the woman, big screen TV, she was projecting the sonogram onto and there's a head there's a body there's nubs for arms and legs there's 160 uh, beats per minute heartbeat and you know the body isn't really moving much because it's little nubs but you know there's there's this and it's just from moving in the fluid and but it was it was earth uh, now there's dogs so it was earth shattering for me because this whole time for so long, I had I had no idea what fetal development was. I didn't know what any of that was. And she was, I, I mean, I went into a severe depression. If I would not have been, it just keeps coming. If I had not been pregnant with her, I genuinely believe I would have committed suicide. I was in a terrible place. And the only reason I didn't was because I couldn't for myself fathom taking another life. And that's why I actually named her Eden because as, not religious as I am, I always love the story of Adam and Eve, especially Lilith, Lilith and Adam, but regardless where everything started, and to me, she was mine and my husband's beginning. Hi. Um, well, I, I, how do I say this? It's going to sound not great, I think, for pro-choicers, but I personally think it should be a very difficult decision to have an abortion. Like, I think you should be emotionally distraught. You're about to not only mess with your own body, but the, the, um, the process of another human being created. And so I think that's kind of a hard, a hard thing to do, but I do think like everything that is hard, a decision needs to be made that is the overall best. And I think we have created a system in the United States to allow the best choices to be an option. And I, and because of that, I'm always going to promote those best choices, but they get down to the individual story. Some people are not in a place to have their babies. Maybe Eden would have been a completely different person if she was born into a completely different family. Do you know what I'm saying? So she's a product of you, not of Eden yet. She is still your baby. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And I hope that parents who have babies have Edens all over the world. Like, I, I think that is just so lovely. 
Um, and I want to do that. So I want to make sure that when people have babies, they're having that baby of choice. And when they're having abortions, they're doing it of their own choice. So how do you think we can go about making sure that that does happen if it's not through education? Or do we have to start there to even move forward? No, I love that question. Um, really quick, I do want to address the chat though. There's a lot of people saying, you know, this shouldn't continue because I appeal to emotion with my story. I just want to tell people that my story is my own. I never ever bring up my abortion when I am in a debate. I don't think it's actually relevant. I have to stay right here, but you can come here again. Um, I, I prefer to keep it out unless it's relevant. And my abortion story is my own. I am not trying to persuade anyone to, I mean, obviously, yeah, I want people to keep their pregnancies, but my goal with telling it is not to be like, save all the babies, as ideal as that is. Um, it's yeah. just to help someone that may not be in a place of knowing. They may have questions. My friend Karina, who's Lutheran I was talking about earlier, she saw my video, had her son because of my video, and now I know her and, and her son and her family. And that, that worked out for her. So I'm not trying to appeal to emotion. I think everyone should be able to share their stories, whether it's adoption, abortion, um, uh, you, know, you know, what? You know what? You know what, though? I, I am a big proponent. I think I differ from this way and, and from other people, but I think it is very logical and realistic to take into consideration emotions as they are a gift from evolution and they are part of the human species. And I think that you need to take that into consideration because some people feel strong emotions about the decisions they're making. And frankly, if I'm being totally blunt, I believe most pro-lifers are moving in an emotional context when promoting pro-life advocacy. If they are turning to God, if they are referencing this, what if it was you question? Because if it was me in that womb, I wouldn't know I got aborted because I wouldn't have consciousness and I wouldn't exist. So it doesn't matter. Like all of these arguments can be, can be, can be just moved away from the conversation if we're just going to talk about how do we minimize abortion because that should be the ultimate goal how do we have less abortions no pro-choice person i know is like you know what i'm gonna do this afternoon tuna sandwich and an abortion that sounds <laughs> delicious you know it's like it's not even that you know there might be that one person maybe my mother does tell this infamous story where she, there was seven of us at the time and my mom was super pregnant with the eighth and this woman came up to her and said I've had seven abortions and you should too and my mom was just like well it's a little late now <laughs> you know they're already here and I, I do think that sure once in a while you'll meet those people and those people have the right to their opinions but they aren't and should not be taken into consideration in my opinion as like this uh this uh testament to all pro-choicers most of us understand that it should be rare and it should be legal. And the idea of that is to protect the life that is already in existence, already has consciousness, already is in debt to the people around them, is already going to be a loss if they, if they die. They are losing not only themselves, but everyone around them is losing the chance to know that person, continuously know that person. Versus abortion, it's kind of, it's kind of, I think, easier emotionally to understand that I don't know this baby yet. So whether or not this baby lives doesn't matter at this moment. What matters is that if you choose to allow this baby to move to term, then we need to do everything in our process to make sure that baby turns out healthy and happy, whatever that means. So don't smoke while you're pregnant. Don't drink while you're pregnant. Be good to that body while you're pregnant, so on and so forth. And these are stages of acceptance, stages of, of pregnancy that we have decided now is the time that we have to move differently because that baby is staying, or this is the time we get to move differently because that baby is not staying. And it, I think that's sort of it. I saw a professor from Princeton. I, I need to work on sort of debunking her thought process in this and she's pro-choice, but her thought process for being pro-choice was a little bit outside of my realm of 
school. I just don't care because it doesn't make sense to me. But she said, if the mother chooses that the baby is going to be here, it automatically is like life. And if she chooses not to have it, it's not life. And those are, those are mind games in my opinion. It's a life or it's not a life, pick one. I think it is a life, it's a life in progress. Whether or not terming that life should be discussed, whether or not it's ethical. And I think there is ethical reason to be able to terminate life in the same way that it's ethical to terminate life in other situations in existence. A lot of it is defense. A lot of women who get pregnant, who aren't, didn't choose to get pregnant, didn't choose to have sex, that is, that is their version of self-defense. They are taking uh, a life to preserve a life that's already breathing oxygen. And that's how I sort of see it. Um, not to say that I would want that, you know, we can't get rid of rape. We can't get rid of abortion. We can't get rid of these things. These are necessities and like evil necessities, if you want to get spiritual and using that word. But I do think that they're proper within the realistic context of existence. I also don't believe in like spiritual rights. We actually, guys, the last time I was on your show, we had this conversation about rights. And I really, I really just think people are animals. Like we're not products of anything. We're not special. Oh, you're, you're dead on there. I'm dead on there. I'm dead on it. So like, it's kind of hard for me to see us as like valuable inherently because I don't think we are. I think we, we become valuable. We are valuable by the good that we do or the contribution we make to society. But I'm, I'm not, I'm pro, you know, I'm pro death penalty. I'm, you know, I'm, I just, it's hard for me in these instances to see humans as automatically valuable because they are. And I think that your, your, your story is important too. Like, I'm glad you shared it. I don't think that it's something that should be off the table, especially in this format and in what we're talking about. I think it's very re uh, relevant to what we're discussing here and it, you know, obviously impacts you. So that's yeah. going to impact your view on things. So I, I thought it was important. To be fair, I did ask you as well, if you would like to share your story, because I was curious because it allows me to understand where you're coming from. Listen, me being pro-life or marching those pro-life rallies, going and pushing um, to people in office legislation, pro-life legislation, that completely changed my ideas of what it is to be pro-life or pro-choice. I think people who have lived both existences purely and truly have a better understanding and grasps of people, which is why I think people like you and I will be bridges because we've been in both places. We've been in a multitude of places. We understand the legit in real struggle that people face and we are trying to make it easier to exist in society or in the world and it is a very hard task to undertake it is constant introspection it is constant reevaluation of our own actions it is constantly living up to standards that society has not put forth to us society if you grew up in the 90s or 2000s gave you a very black and white concept of existence with little to no room for exploration into different and bigger things and now with the, the rise of the internet we are seriously seeing complete changes in how we function and socialize. Well, some of the things that have literally changed my ideas about like male circumcision is watching those videos. Have I watch birthing videos all the time to remind myself, oh girl, you better make sure that IUD is not expired because I ain't ready for that. You know what I mean? Like these are things that I witness constantly to remind myself that this is real. This is what's happening. These aren't figments. You're not talking about some mystical spiritual thing growing inside of you. You are talking about a person in progress. So you need to make decisions to either prevent that person in progress or to eliminate that person in progress or to keep that person in progress. But these are responsibilities I'm asking people to take seriously. So we don't have to sit here in the next hundred years and keep having these conversations. I think we could come to a point in the next 30 years where we would have much less abortion, more uh, and, and healthy support for babies who end up being here. Because I think that is the hardest point of, um, I think that's the hardest disconnect between the pro-lifers and the pro-abortion people is, or pro-choice people, um, is that for us, we're worried about those babies being born into homes that don't love them. And they're worried about those babies not being born at all, but don't want to, 
necessarily care for them afterwards. And so it's kind of like that difficult disconnect. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Sorry, I was telling her she can go in the big room, but don't go on the treadmills. <laughs> well, did you want to say anything to that? Because I think, are we going to take questions tonight, guys? We are. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've already uh, got a little collection of them. Not too many, but a couple. And there's some well, chance to be read too. Albany, did you want to make a lasting, um, like a last statement, and then we can move on to questions? Honestly, if, because I mean, there is so much to say. So what I would love to get out there, what I always want to get out there is the next time you talk to someone who is pro-life or pro-choice, wherever you stand, don't assume. Um, actually on Steve's page, you know, there was a girl and I going back and forth. And by the end of it, we were posting pictures of our cats. And I was, I loved it. It was awesome. And I, you know, you have to be patient. You have to never assume, you know, yeah, there's always going to be stereotypes. There's always going to be crazy pro-lifers. There's just, there's always going to be. There's always going to be crazy pro-choicers, but the majority of us, one minute, one minute, but there's always going to be some of us, most of us, who just want to have a conversation. You know, like, I will be careful for I'm sorry. You have to wait a minute. They're all the same people. This is just, this is my life. This is what happens. We're going to give her back to you soon, Eden, I promise. Go on the treadmill, go do whatever. We're gonna give her a whole episode. She could take over <laughs> for us one day. She will sit there with a dinosaur oh. book. She will read it to you and she will tell you all about them. Oh, that that. Be, oh, we man. need to get Kent Hovind I... and have Eden <laughs> read Kent a dinosaur book. He would learn so much for oh, Jane. Wow, yes. Uh, I really Let's should make, make this her happen. her own YouTube channel. Just six-year-old to six-year-olds. Let's make Talk this happen. dinosaurs, that would be great. Yes, dinosaurs and Batman. And occasionally unicorns from her three-year-old sister because that's all that matters to her. That okay, uh, so I guess let's uh, let's let's jump into uh, to questions real quick. And um, I've got two on my end, and I think Steve's got the rest. But uh, Albany, go ahead and ask you this one that popped up here: what uh, what kind of punishment would be in order for somebody that has an abortion after abortions were deemed illegal? None. I, I am extremely against that, and I know it's it's a weird position because obviously there's laws and everything like that, but women have abortions for reasons. It's not like someone who premeditates a murder because they're mad at someone. Women aren't going to have abortions because they're angry at the fetus. They're either scared or they already have other children that they may not know how to take care of. They may feel like they're too old. I mean, there's literally an endless list. And I, to me, it's one of those things like, why wouldn't we try to find her help, whatever help that might be, whether it's, you know, emotional, psych psychological, physical, and listen to her. Why should she be punished for being so afraid that she was just trying to do what she thought was best? That, and most people don't think of it as, you know, a child, the way they're going to look at, at Eden over here. I can't fault someone for that. You're not looking at this, this fetus and going little baby and holding it in your hands. And yeah, yeah I, I, I cannot in any way condone like jailing or yeah, trying women like that. And uh, the next one, or Brittany, did you want to uh, tag anything on the end of that? No, I'm good. Okay. And the next one was, what about in terms of the instances of rape or uh, incest? How would you fall on whether those should be illegal or not? So for me, um, I'm pro-life as a whole um, for the majority of abortion or abortions pretty much. I work with women 
and men who were conceived in rape, who were conceived in incest. I can't look at them as less than, and I'm gonna say this because this is a very touchy subject. So I always like to lay the ground rule of please understand to me, it is a child. It is a medically living human being. I understand not all people agree, but to me, it would say more if I believed that and discriminated against someone because of how they were conceived. This is not a projection to anyone else. It is just me. Um, I do not have those exceptions as a whole, but going back to the very beginning, I believe in compromise. Um, there are a lot of things that go through with compromise, whether it's the gestation, whether it's how someone was conceived or how someone conceived, stuff like that. Okay, and now uh, we'll go, uh, actually, Brittany, did you wanna, um, go ahead. Yeah, can I just, I just wanna sure. say that obviously from my perspective, and I just wanna make sure this is clear because I didn't even process that some people might feel this way, but if you are a result of a rape, like you are in no way, shape or form a less of a person. Like if you are the baby and you are the product of that instance, like that we are not talking about your life being less valuable because of that reason, like at all. Like you are a valuable human being and it's amazing that you're in the world and you're living your greatest, truest self. So please just make, I just want to make that clear because that makes me really sad that somebody could think that they were less worthy because of the way they were produced. Well, and um, so if anyone's curious, uh, Save the One, one being the number one, is a, a group started by a woman I work with, Rebecca Kiesling. She was conceived and raped. Um, her mama got raped at 15, had her at 16. Um, and, you know, she speaks for or she, she works with people that were conceived in rape or did conceive in rape. And I only say that because, and I love that you said that, because it can be hard for them. And I can't even imagine to see the abortion debates and constantly see rape and incest exceptions. I don't know what that's like. I'm sure that that does feel personal to them, feeling like they are the exception to the rule of them being less than, even though people and they understand this and I understand this. It's not people going like, you were conceived in rape, you're bad, you're terrible. It's incredibly emotional. Uh, I, I was raped throughout a year when I was 17 years old. Like you don't just get over that. And it's, to me, it is people trying to really put the mom first in the utmost way. You know, she was raped, she has this child in her. Do you really wanna make her deal with that? And like anything else, you have to listen to people, see where they're coming from. But I, I really love that you said that because not a lot of people take that into consideration. So I really do appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Okay, and uh, Steve's gonna um, read the super chats and ask uh, the rest of the questions that we've got. Okay, so we got a couple of super chats to get out of the way. First one was just a test by Bullinator, but I'm gonna read it anyways, because it's a super chat. Uh, Johnny says, I'd buy this for a dollar, maybe even two, I'm assuming the super chat. Thank you for that, because it's a $2 super chat. Uh, Ashley says, going on record that Steve is sexy. There, that's settled. We already knew that, but thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. Did we? But it's official. Uh, well, the people that matter knew that. You know. I mean, Steve will go camping with me, so that makes him pretty yeah, She wants to go fishing with me, so. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. talk after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, but then she did say that when she goes into the camping, people tend to disappear. So I, I don't know what to think about that, so. <laughs> Uh, she did. Did she not say that? Anyways, uh, Jamie says, "Been listening for, oh, excuse me, been listening from ten thousand feet via Iridium satellite internet, and was just finally able to chat from the ground. Best episode since the last two Hoven episodes. Awesome job, guest. Wow, you guys are better than Hoven. That's high praise. Well, what can I say? <laughs> Look at us. 
I would agree. Hair. This is it's this is one of my favorites. Yeah, this is great. This is really really good. Um, all right, so look, uh, there's a couple of different questions. I'm gonna try to start out some of the ones I think are like eh, better questions, at least so that I think that I really would like to see you guys answer. So this question actually stands out to me because I'm one of these. Um, they asked if you think fathers should get any rights or says in every woman have an abortion. And Brittany, we can kind of ask you that first. Um, you know, as as a parent, you know, when when my baby's mother got pregnant, you know. It did come up. Matter of fact, one of the first things my sister ever said was, "Get rid of it." Is what her words were, and I, I was like, "No, I, I, I don't want to have an abortion." Have abortion. And we had only been dating for two weeks, by the way. So, uh, we uh, we knew each other for long, but we only been dating for two weeks. Um, I would have liked to have had a say in that if that would have came to it. But how do you think, um, when it comes to fathers' rights, to have a say in that? Albany, I think. Are you asking Albany first or me first? I'm asking you, Brittany. Oh, me. Okay. Well, um, the way that I like to play it with the law is that I think it should be up to the woman, but I think that a man should have the right to dissolve, abort his rights as a father, if you will, if he's not ready to be a father. Because I think sometimes the man isn't ready either and doesn't get a say in it. And I don't think he should have to be responsible for something he created if he didn't even have an opportunity to excuse himself from that situation. So I think that that's important. So if a woman decides to go to term and her is her partner, the person who helped her make that baby, doesn't want to participate and writes it on a legal document, he shouldn't be forced to. That's first and foremost. Uh, the pre-protection comes with the negotiation and making sure that you understand that um, it is going to have to end up being with her just because she is the person who's giving up so many of her personal resources uh, directly to create this baby. Because I believe it's a baby in process. I, I understand that that means that during that process, the one who's going to have to literally you know, change how she eats and how she breathes and how she operates, it's going to have to be the woman. So I'm giving her the literal responsibility and the honor of carrying that life um, to term in the most healthy fashion or terminating it before it reaches term, obviously. Uh, does that make sense? It, uh, a father can actually exercise their rights and get their name on the birth certificate, but I don't think as of right now, a father can ever waive his right. I don't think that he can say, I don't want to have anything to do with the child. Yeah, I think, I think he should be able to. He can't do that. But anyways, uh, Albany, what, what say you on the father's rights? So again, kind of going back, this one's hard for me because there are situations where I prefer to stick to what is legal right now. And girl, <laughs> she was so quiet and beautiful while you were speaking. The moment you stopped, she was like, okay, my mom's talking now. <laughs> screw you up. Um, but I really actually like what Brittany said, because to me, I don't think, I don't think there's any perfect answer to this one, especially. Um, it's a hard question. I, it really is. And it, as it, a father, I know I, it's a hard question. Uh, how much do I want to have rights and how much is it legally uh, an obligation? Is it a moral duty? Is it a legal obligation? Well, and for me, and that's, I definitely would rather focus on where it's legal because, you know, I, I help men and women who have been hurt by abortion um, I help women reclaim their abortion records, which is something I did to help find my find healing. And I've seen how it hurts men, but I also understand. I really don't see unless you're going to go full um, government throwover, where a man can force a woman have a go through a pregnancy just so he can have the baby. I just don't ever see that happening. And I really don't know if I would want to see that happen as pro life as I am, because I can't even imagine that amount of stress on top of well, everything if you didn't want to be pregnant and then well, what would happen to minors like the nine-year-old in brazil who had to have twins because it's a pro-life country like what would happen i think it was brazil don't quote me on that but what would happen if like these 
I think people who are pregnant need agency over their bodies, period. Especially if it's a nine-year-old, like who's been raped, which in that case, and it was years and years and years ago, but that stayed with me so hard. The idea of a nine-year-old having twins, just like my brain can't even process what that experience must've been so traumatic. Like, and I was in the delivery room for my youngest brother. So I've been up and close and personal and I've seen the miracle of life and it is beautiful, but oh my goodness. I, I, I think it just breaks my heart that people are put into the situations, period. But they are, and so we have to deal with them. I, and, I, I've seen it up close, too. I was in the delivery room. Um, it's bloody. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm done. It's bloody and beautiful. Um, it's bloody yeah, beautiful. No, I, I didn't have that that spiritual experience, there, let me tell you. Um, I but, was on drugs uh, I'm so every glad time. I was. So I was, was awesome. One last question to both of you, um, and then we're going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, this is kind of a question that was asked in the live chat, and uh, it's something that I actually was talking to Albany prior to the, the discussion here about you guys both want some compromise, and I had been saying that um, the pro-life, pro-choice are never, each group is never going to get everything they want. It's just never going to happen. I mean, we have, people have to make compromises. So this person asked a great question on, as far as a compromise about when do you think that a, a decent cutoff point would be to have abortions up to where they're legal and then afterwards there's a line of demarcation and they're no longer legal. Um, this person's just 14 weeks, but would both of you agree that that might be a viable thing where say you look at, at this point, you can't have an abortion here, then we might allow for it, but at least have a compromise in some way. 24, uh, a lot of people have a cutoff of 24 weeks. Um, statistically speaking, people are, most people are very uncomfortable with abortion past that point, especially since modern technology mm -hmm. and medicine we have so many people born 24 weeks and surviving um let's say 14 weeks that way i don't think that's even a point where obviously there's no brain activity there's no pain so for, 14 weeks how about that for oh I, I i would take what we can get i think the pro-life movement is very lucky if they get any sort of success because we suck like there there is nothing funny <laughs> she's like but and i mean it in total seriousness i mean when you have a group of people saying, I'm against abortion, but you don't agree with me, so you should have been aborted. Who the fuck is gonna take you seriously? You got, you got a big hand this week though with um, the Chief Justice that's retiring. Ah. Yeah, that, and that's something else we, we had talked about um, prior went on air, I think Coyote had stepped out, but I had actually mentioned if the Chief Justice retires and Trump gets to pick a, a Supreme Court justice, justice, do you think we're um, in danger of losing Roe v. Wade? I, I actually, so I have a, I have a pro-life Facebook, I have a pro-life YouTube or uh, Instagram, and I do, I took from my atheist channel and I do like one minute videos on my pro-life page. And I actually, I brought up the justice thing, like everything you have both sides, you have the pro-choice, they're just terrified, they're going to lose abortion, pro-lifers freaking out, yay, abortion's illegal. And it's like, no one's talking to each other. Why, why are the pro-choicers valid? Because everything they're saying is valid women are going to be facing all these terrible things and no one's seeming to care and, and vice versa. So um, I'm, I'm just so grateful this, this happened, everyone here, that it was all of you here specifically. And I cannot wait to do this, but with drinking, because that sounds like the most miraculous freaking evening I've we had in a while. Real. Does that mean you're going you're gonna to come back on? Do we get you again? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I've Sweet. missed this. I have missed awesome. live videos. Well, I'm going to read one last super chat, um, and then uh, we're going to kind of go wrap it up. But uh, I, I want to thank both of you for coming in. 
Brittany, you know, it's always a pleasure having you come back in. Loved you the first time. I was blown away by the conversation you had with Sargon, and this is another example. And not an easy opponent either. I mean, not uh, an easy opponent. I would, I personally would not go against Sargon, and I don't agree with him a lot of times. Probably things. one of the most difficult yeah. uh, people in you. He's intimidating, I, no joke. No, 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 no. See, here's the issue he does not intimidate me because he's just a man. Like men oh. and women, humans do yeah. not intimidate me. They're humans. How could they be more intimidating than this? No, he intimidates me because he's British. That's the only reason. Oh, the I need to have a, yeah. a video call with you every morning, I feel. <laughs> Your whole day with positive just, energy and stuff, right? Yes. She's the counter. She's the counter flat Earth. I mean, what? the, the oh, feelings that, that you get epic. after a flat Earth show, she gives no. you the opposite. Brittany versus Dell. Let's do it. Yes. Sure. Let me let me sure. just say this to Albany. This was a great pleasure as well because it, it is. I've been looking for somebody who was pro life identified to have this conversation with me in a way where we didn't get upset and we understood that we were trying to be concise and clear with our with our perspectives and I feel like I, I honestly feel like this was a great opportunity to meet with somebody who could help me with my goal of having less abortions overall within the next 50 years like that is a goal like you guys say that I'm brave for coming on you know to talk to Sargon or whatever word you just used like Sargon is somebody I told myself two years ago I would have a discussion with and we would do that and look it happened and it happened because this is my ultimate goal is to move all of humanity forward together nobody's left behind nobody gets left behind we're all americans or citizens of this earth we pull ourselves up together and we all go forward together that's what i ultimately want yeah but and which, we're, but which we're, earth flat or round we're, 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 <laughs> the, i'll the tell you what we're not version. we're not going to do britney versus debbie no that's not going to ever happen did, uh, did you read that um oh, that was good let me read the super chat um before i do albany i, I especially want to thank you for on very short notice coming and doing this and yeah. I think it worked exceptionally well out. So I'm just thrilled to death how well this actually worked out. But the last super chat, um, I, I'm going to answer it in two seconds because, um, but it says, with the exponential growth of human species and our natural natural resources depleting, don't you think that we should keep any method that can help control the population? No, um, I do not believe in any way, shape, or form abortion should be used for population control. There you go. Um, and uh, now you guys take a second, plug your channels. What yep. you got? Anything you've got coming up? Uh, anything you want to talk about that way, and then we'll close it out. Albany, go ahead. Um, so you can find me uh, Instagram, just Albany underscore Rose. Same with Twitter. And if you type in Albany Rose on Facebook, there's really not a lot of me. So it's pretty basic. Obviously, everything I do is pro-life. Um, I do a lot of fundraisers for families in need. And if you have any questions, just don't be a douche and send me a message. I'm happy to talk about anything. It's really that don't simple. Don't be a douche. Perfect. Words to live by. And then I'm just Brittany Simon on YouTube or uh, Brittany someone on Twitter. Um, I warn you right now, apparently some of y'all make comments about my certain kinds of posts. I won't be fully clothed in most things. <laughs> not I'm also... safe for work. <laughs> yeah, not safe for work. I'm actually waiting for the day. My brother's actively on Twitter. I'm waiting for him to be like, dude, stop. <laughs> like, it's just a part of it though. I'm, I'm, I'm clothing in different. I believe in the human body being like neutral and so and natural. So yeah, you'll see a lot of that. You're welcome. Oh, you will see a lot of things. Yeah. You're welcome. But yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to re reiterate what Steve said. Thank you both for coming in. This was fantastic. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. For people who are watching, we will be off tomorrow for the 4th of July. So um, I don't know. I'll wait till the end of this show to tell you because I know this is heartbreaking and you're not going to know what to do without Steve or I around at 8, 8 o'clock because we've been here every night for so long but you'll be fine we believe in you right steve watch a rerun right yeah 
you know what we might even upload one of the uh the interviews that oh, we the, the podcast i think we have i think we might have one we, we yeah um the guy from buzzfeed the editor from buzzfeed yeah. we haven't uh, that's what we'll do what? yeah we will yeah. upload the uh the interview that we did with matt ford the, one of the editors from buzzfeed and um you can watch that tomorrow sweet there we go all right um thank you guys for tuning in enjoy your uh fourth of july do not get drunk and play with fireworks Come back to the show on Thursday at 8 o'clock with all of your fingers. We'll see you then. Good night.